Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, there's been lots of headlines on inflation lately, but thus far, interest rates, which tend to surge along with inflation, have remained tame. Rates on everything from savings accounts to mortgages are still bouncing along near historic lows. The question is, how long can that last? One school of thought, advanced by the Federal Reserve, is that inflationary pressures, now showing up as higher prices on everything from used cars to factory wages, are just transitory and will begin receding as pandemic labor and supply chain shocks subside. Others, though, think inflation is here to stay. If true, that could have a negative impact on both stocks and bonds. That's because the fate of both stocks and bonds, along with many other investments, is intimately tied to interest rates. When rates are low, as they have been for more than a decade now, companies pay less to borrow, they have more to spend, and that boosts their profits. When rates rise, the opposite occurs. Higher borrowing costs, lower profits, and lower stock prices. Rising rates also mean that safer investments like banks and government bonds will look increasingly attractive relative to stocks. That results in money leaving stocks, which drives down prices. So what's an investor to do? Well, that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to explore specific investments that can not only survive, but thrive in rising rate environments. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hey, Miranda. Hey, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Still waking up. We're recording way earlier today than normal. Yes, it is a little early. Not, it's not that it's, early for me. It's for even Miranda. earlier for me, you guys. What time is it, Miranda, <laughs> in Denver? That's where you are, Denver? I am in Denver. It is 8 a.m. But, I mean, Denver's on the same time zone as where I live in Idaho, so it's not like... It's not like a huge whatever, still but, kind of early. but it's pretty early for me. I'm not usually functioning at this time of the morning. On you a sound a basis. little, you sound a little slower than usual, but we'll see. We'll see. You, <laughs> Let's see how you, this do have, goes. Do you have coffee in your hand? Uh, no, no, I don't drink coffee, but I started out with some water. So I'm, I'm starting out well hydrated. Oh, gosh, I've already had two cups of coffee. Okay, let's get this thing going. But before we do, you guys, we got to give our usual disclaimer. Should you hear about investments on this podcast, and you probably will, that doesn't mean that they are recommendations. Never invest based solely on our advice or anything you hear on this podcast because we don't know your situation. You've got to form your own opinions. You've got to make your own decisions. Okay, now, let's get to it. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, guys. We never discuss this stuff in advance, listeners, so we don't know. These guys don't have an outline of what I'm thinking about. But, but what I was saying, let's, let's talk a little bit about why interest rates could go up, uh, how that can be good for some things and bad for others. And then I want to try to do some specifics and talk about exactly what you should own. I did a lot of reading on this. I mean, I guess I, in our show notes, where you're going to see there's probably 25 maybe not that many, but 20 articles on this topic. I've read a lot about it. And, and it's, it's not easy to understand. It's kind of confusing. But let, well, let's... Also, people have different opinions across the board. I mean, some people are saying, oh, my God, you know, this is going to tank the market. We're going to have zero uh, gains in the next few years. And then you have other people like Kathy Wood saying, nope, I think it's still going to be a bull market. Yeah, and actually Jim Cramer from Mad Money on CNBC also thinks that the that inflation is going to be transitory. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, Aaron, because one of the first things I wanted to say before we even got into this topic is just because we're talking about best investments for rising rates doesn't mean we think rates are rising. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but my, my point is it's possible rates won't go up. 
So don't don't think just because this podcast is called Best Investments for Rising Rates that that's what we think is going to happen. To be honest with you, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm really not sure. I mean, there, there are arguments to be made on, on both the transitory side and the permanent inflation side. And like I said last time we got together, I think there could be a little of both. I think I think wages are wages are not going to go down, uh, so I, I think that part of inflation is here to stay. I think some of those things that are you know problems related to supply bottlenecks, uh, I think that could go away, and I think it probably is starting to in some cases already. But anyway, why could interest rates be on the rise? One thing we know for sure, a couple of things we know for sure. The Federal Reserve has been artificially keeping interest rates low for some time now in order to keep the economy humming along. And what they do is, what they have done, is they've been buying $80 billion worth of treasury securities every month and $40 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities. So they've been spending $120 billion to buy securities in the open market every month. And what I read is they're not doing well selling those. Yeah, well, there, there's, a little, there's a little trouble. The, the, the auctions haven't been going as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's so much supply. And you know, demand is, has has been keeping up. It's not it's not a radical situation yet, but just this month though, the Federal Reserve has said that they're going to reduce that 120 billion dollars a month by 15 billion dollars every month. So by the middle of next year, they're not going to be supporting the market by buying Treasuries. Now, why do why does the Federal Reserve buying Treasuries keep interest rates low? Because you know, supply and demand. If you've, if you've got a lot of demand, a price of something is going to go up. And when the price goes up on a bond, the interest rate comes down. Remember the, remember the analogy I've used constantly with a seesaw. Uh, if, if, if interest rates are rising, if bond prices are going up, interest rates are going down. So that's what the Fed is doing. It's, imagine an auction market. They're bidding up the price of these bonds, which is making them yield less. Their interest rates are going down. And so when they stop doing that, that could put some upward pressure on prices. Now, after they're done with the, this is called tapering, by the way. They taper their purchases by reducing them gradually. And once they're done with that, then they might raise interest rates if the economy is overheating. And overheating is often, often shows up as inflation. So that, that's why we are where we are, why interest rates could be going up. Now, what, what do you guys think? We'll just stop here and take a quick poll. Do you think interest rates are going to go up? And if so, how soon? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because um, the Fed's been kind of reluctant to raise interest rates, although they may have to, to, like, kind of try and keep inflation from, like, getting too creaky. Uh, so, so, yeah, and, and, it, and that does generally kind of put the brakes on the stock market a little bit. But, I mean, what we've seen in the last couple of years, I mean, we are pretty much due for a good solid stock market crash and uh, as we'll talk about in our market update, which we'll record next, uh, the, the Dow is down, like the stock market is down today. Um, and today is November 18th. So, um, yeah, and it's and it's down right now. So but I think but I think, yeah, these inflation fears are going to have an impact on the stock market and they are going to, you know, they are going to impact that. So it's just, it is important to like be aware of how that could happen and just kind of be ready to say, okay, how does, how, how is this going to uh, change, change my um, investment strategy or how is it going to stay the same? Um, because 
you know, when we're going through these stock market cycles, I mean, it's important to remember that it is natural to go through economic and stock cycles, and there's going to be a down cycle somewhere. Yes, and there hasn't been one in a long time. And it's almost like every day, as you said, Miranda, today, the Dow's down, the Nasdaq's up again today, up 80 points. But the uh, yeah, it's been so long since we've had a correction. I think there's a lot of players in this market who don't even know what that is. I mean, right. you know, yeah. when I say correction, I mean like a uh, bear market, 20% down. We haven't had one of those in years and years, 10 years, right? I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We haven't had one. We've we've been in the in the midst of the longest bull market run. <clears throat> excuse me, the longest bull market run in history, and so that's kind of where we're at. Well, I think Morning Morningstar put out something about how since uh, I think for three years straight now the S and P five hundred has had major returns. So like uh, in twenty nineteen, uh, I guess the 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 spy fund that follows the uh, five hundred. In 2019, it's it uh, year year to year was like 31 percent gain in 2019. It was 18 uh, percent gain in 2020, and then I think it was a 25. Yeah, we're up there. Gain. We're, yeah, we're up there like 25, 24 percent or so I right mean, that's, now. That's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot, especially considering that the historical mean is 10. Right. So sooner or later, we talked about that last time we got together because sooner or later we're going to return to the mean. And actually, to to tie this back into our topic for today. Rising interest rates are often what takes the punch bowl away. I mean, almost invariably, when you've got a bull market and that bull market ends, especially if it ends violently, it's almost always because interest rates went up. So, but now, you know, what, what's interesting, though, the more you read about this, the more you realize that, you know, when you look, for example, if you do a web search for stocks that do well when, when interest rates go up, what, what you're going to find is you're going to find there, there are good things about rising rates. And there are bad things about them. And that makes it kind of difficult to pick out the exact investments that you want to be in. Uh, for example, on the one hand, rising interest rates, this is good news. Rising interest rates tend to accompany economic expansion. In other words, the reason rates are rising is because there's a lot of economic activity. And that's why the Federal Reserve has to tap the brakes by raising interest rates. Now, and just to be clear, so everybody understands this, the reason they're ra raising rates, the reason that, that dampens economic activity is because it costs companies more to borrow money, costs you more to borrow money to buy a car, you know, or a house or whatever. So that, that tends to, to retard um, economic activity somewhat when interest rates are higher. That's, why, that's what the Fed uses. That's why I call it tapping the brakes on the economy. But the fact that the rates are rising in the first place is telling you that the economy must be doing pretty well, or they wouldn't be doing that. So on the one hand, that's a good thing. That's interesting. So b people, yeah, people are spending money, businesses are spending money, and, and as a result, lenders don't have to incentivize borrowing by having really low rates. Now, the other thing that's good, too, is that now, profit— now I got a Go question ahead. for you. I read two conflicting things. Um, I guess it probably depends on the business, but one of them said if a company— got into debt prior to inflation. So then they did a lot of borrowing on it for uh, expansion. But mindful, I mean, think about it, they, they did all this borrowing when interest rates were low, but they did all this borrowing and now everything's starting to get inflated. This could be uh, uh, not a business to invest in. Uh, yes. And then on the other hand, somebody said, well, this could be a good thing because the business got all its loans during a time when interest rates were low. So it could be a good thing Both for those it. things are true. Okay, in periods of rising interest rates, in periods of rising inflation, Okay, which usually they go hand in hand. But think about yourself as a mortgage borrower. If you can borrow money at 2% today and you lock in a 30-year loan at 
And then three years from now, you can earn 8% at the bank with taking no risk. You've done yourself a hell of a job there, haven't you? So if you can lock in low rates, and the reason, I mean, that's a really obvious example, but what's really happening here is that you're borrowing at today's dollars and repaying that debt with cheaper dollars in the future. Okay, so two good things about, about rising rates. They tend to accompany economic expansion. Also, the other thing I hadn't mentioned yet, profit margins usually go up with inflation. Let, let me give you, you know how, you know when gas prices, you know, as soon as oil prices go up, gas prices immediately go up. And then when the oil prices go down, it takes a little while for the gas station to lower their price. That's well, because you, they already bought the fuel at a higher price. Well, it's because they could use the inflation to jack their rates. You know, they can they can use this stuff. In other words, when things are when things are moving around a lot, they can manipulate it. So in other words, let's say Well, that, I thought it's because they bought that whole gigantic tank tanker full of gas at the higher price, so they gotta wait to use that up before they buy yeah, the gas well, it's at a cheaper both. price. It's both. As soon as oil prices go up, the gasoline goes up. Well they but they already have the cheap oil. Why is gasoline going up then? Shouldn't yeah, they true. wait until they're done with the cheap oil? Right. So a lot of what happens is when 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 pro- profit margin this is just a fact. Profit margins often rise with inflation. In other words, companies are raising their prices faster than their cost is going up. And you can see this happening right now. All these companies are going, well, sure, we had to raise prices. But you know what? If, if their materials costs went up 4%, they're raising prices 8 And then they're just telling everybody, well, you know, it's inflation, man. What, what can I do? So periods of rising rates, periods of rising inflation, often are used by companies to raise prices by more than the inflation. So their profit margins get fatter. They make more money. Now, not all companies. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So there are two good things about rising rates. One, it's showing you you're in a good economy. Two, companies can often make more money if they can raise their prices. Okay, now here are the bad things about rising rates. Higher rates often mean headwinds when it, come, when it comes to borrowers, right? So if your company has to borrow money constantly, then you're going to be paying higher interest rates. What happens when you pay, pay higher interest rates? It hits your profit margin. So higher rates can hurt some companies. Also, and here's the main thing, and this is what this is what generally happens. The reason that when rates go up a little bit, the stock market tanks is because generally speaking, if you can get a, a, a risk-free rate from your bank or from a treasury bond, that's going to take some of your you're going to take some of your money out of the stock market and put it there. If you can earn eight percent with no risk in a CD. Why would you put money in the stock market where it could go down? So what happens is people leave the stock market and go to safer investments when they pay more. So bad things, higher interest rates can hurt some companies. Number two, investors may pull some money out of the stock market, which of course makes it go down uh, so that they can put that money in somewhere safer and still earn interest on it. So we got both good and bad from rising rates. And that's why this gets kind of confusing because there's a lot of different things that could happen and it depends on the company a lot. Now, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk specifically what you should own. No, enough background. Let's get specific on what you should be buying as interest rates rise. And we're going to do that right after this super quick break. Be right back. Okay, Aaron, you've been doing some reading on this, I can tell. Is the type of stock that you want to be in or stocks that you want to be in if interest rates are rising? Do you have an opinion on that? Uh, Warren Buffett said something about that back in uh, 2015 in one of those uh, Berkshire Hathaway meetings. Is uh, when inflation rises, he says one of the things that's that's good to get into are brands, actually. Things that people want to buy, things that people need to buy. 
So yes. Because uh, the prices are going to go up anyway, but those brands, people are still going to buy them anyway. So there's going to be in profit town. Yes. Um, the, these are, we've talked about these before, but these are called just consumer discretionary stocks. And you're absolutely right. Or I should say Warren Buffett's absolutely right. And you were right to read it. <laughs> but <laughs> remember what I said a minute ago, if you can raise your prices, especially by more than inflation. Now, how are you, how are you going to be able to raise your prices? Because people want your stuff. You know, if, if let, let's use Disney for an example. That, that, you know, you also, this is called consumer discretionary, meaning I have discretion. I may choose not to go to Disney World, but you know what? I'm going to go. And you know, if they raise the price two bucks, I'm going to pay it because my kids want to go to Disney World. And so I'm going to pay whatever it costs. If, I, if I'm buying Charmin, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay whatever, you know, if they raise the price 50 cents, even though their material cost only went up 10 cents, I'm going to pay it. These are called consumer discretionary. That's actually, Charmin's not quite just consumer discretionary, but you see what I'm saying. If you've got pricing power, if you've got a product that people are going to buy no matter what, then you've got something that's going to do well if inflation tries it. Because you, you can just say, you know, your materials have gone up more uh, right. and, so, and right. you're going to raise your prices, you know, or, or right. trucking costs more. You can, say anything, you can say anything you want. You just raise your price. Or you know what the, a lot of food companies do? They lower their packaging. Uh, they lower how much they put in a package and, and keep the price the same. Cars. Now, may not, this may not be true now because cars are in such short supply. But think about cars in general. This is, not, th this is a relatively discretionary purchase. And guess what's happening during inflation? You're borrowing a ton of money because it's a very capital-intensive business. And you're paying a whole bunch of people who want to raise. Right, so your costs are really rising, and if you and if you if you try to pass that through to the price of the car, it may work, but it may not. People may put off that purchase or buy something used, so there you could be stuck by inflation. So you've really got to be kind of careful. Now, how about banks? Would banks be a good? Uh, That's the number good thing one to invest in because um, you know they well they're making money when people have to borrow. Yes, that, that's the number one. The, the, and you'll see when we start going over some specifics in a minute. But the financial sector is the number one sector of the economy that loves changes, that loves rising interest rates. And the reason why is because they're borrowing short term and lending long term. So in other words, they're, they're paying very little to borrow from the Fed or from each other. In other words, that's where they're getting. OK, let's put it even more simply. They're paying you 0.1% you know, on your savings account, and they're lending me money at 15% on a credit card. So the more that spread advances, the better off they are. So they tend to be much more profitable. And remember, too, what are their costs? Are they, are they borrowing? Are they, are they building equipment? No. You know, their stuff is paper. So they don't have a lot of expensive problems. I mean, they don't have a lot of expensive equipment to buy, uh, but, they, but their profit margins go up radically. So you want to be in the, in the financial sector, not just banks, but money managers, life insurance companies, brokerage firms, stuff like that, when interest rates are going up. I'm going, to, I'm going to pull out Buffett again. Another thing that he said is that um, through thick and thin, you can never do wrong with the uh, S&P 500 low index fund. Yes, yes. Because, yeah, we, in general, remember, stocks are going to be good inflation hedges. That's why people want you to be in stocks when you retire, have a portion of your long-term savings in stocks, uh, because stocks tend to do well in inflationary periods. There's going to be a shock when interest rates go up and people dump stocks. But generally speaking, because they have pricing power, and a lot of the S&P 500 companies are the biggest companies in the world, and they may have more pricing power. So ultimately, they're going to be not necessarily beneficiaries, 
of inflation, but good inflation hedges in the long term. In the short term, not so much. What do you guys think? What do you think? What do you guys think uh, digital currency is going to do? That's that's <laughs> one for yeah. Let, let's wake up Miranda yeah. here. Miranda, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, is like I really don't know. And honestly, um, crypto has been taking a beating the last few days. In fact, it's down again. Uh, my portfolio in the last uh, few days has just. Um, my the, the portion of my my portfolio that I keep on Coinbase um, has just taken a beating since the end of October. Uh, so a lot of cryptocurrencies are just crashing. Uh, they're struggling a lot. Decentraland's not. Uh, glad I got some of that because my goodness. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like a lot of the cryptocurrencies are crashing. And it's really kind of hard to say. Um, if you talk to cryptocurrency evangelists, they'll tell you, oh, well, as um, as all this stuff happens, as as inflation causes problems and your buying power decreases, you know, they'll say, oh, well, cryptocurrency should um, cryptocurrency should be rising. Right. Because they'll be like, yeah, because it's like decoupled from uh, oh, the centralized the new banks. Yeah, it's supposed to be the new thing. And so so if you talk to them, they'll be like, oh, my gosh. But really. When you when you look at this, part of the the thing that people don't um, understand is that cryptocurrency is untested. It's a new asset class. And so people get a little bit squirrely when inflation comes in. People don't look at the good of it. They just say, oh, no, uh, you know, problems. You know, they all say problems. And new asset classes like cryptocurrency are the first thing that goes when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about problems, right? People are like, okay, that's a little bit risky. Um, and, and people's instinct is to start circling the wagons. Yeah, I, th I think it's I find it very difficult to find anything that uh, cryptos are related to precisely. I mean, you're what you what you said should be true. I mean, they should be an inflation hedge since there's a limited supply. Uh, but it, you know, as we speak, Does, Bitcoin's uh, at fifty-eight thousand. But see, not every cryptocurrency has a limited supply. Now, there are some uh, cryptocurrency assets that are considered so-called deflationary, right? Like there are some, like there's one called FEG, that every time a transaction takes place, a certain percentage of it is burned, and so these are. Um, so, so these have those limits, but there are others like Bitcoin has a limit on how much is going to be mined, yeah. supposedly. But there yeah. are other cryptocurrencies that don't have those limits. So it's really interesting. It, it, well, it's interesting. And, and I think when I read about people telling me why, why it's doing what it's doing, I think it's crap. I don't think they know. I mean, you know, yeah. right. I mean, right now we're we're in a period of rising. I mean, inflation's all over the headlines. I mean, you can't, you know, every time you look at a paper, the head the headline is inflation. Were you about to say swing a dead cat? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, remember how you say you can't swing a dead cat? I stopped saying that because uh, Aaron said I say it too much. So I'm trying not to say it. But anyway, but Bitcoin's gone from sixty-eight thousand dollars to fifty-eight thousand dollars in a week, or or thereabouts. I mean, it's, uh -huh. it's, so if inflation's the scare, how come Bitcoin's not going up? It's going down. Right. Yeah, that's it's kind of the, showing you its holes. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that's, I, and that's kind I, of the thing I just see there. no rhyme or reason, frankly. I mean, I, I own it. You know, <laughs> and I, own, I own Ethereum, but, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know why it's doing what it's doing. I mean, because I just, yeah. I don't think anybody knows, to be honest with you. Well, I, I was going to ask you guys. Um, sorry, go ahead, Miranda. Oh, and I was going to say, part of it is going to be like China's continuing clampdown on crypto. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, they pull stuff out of the air. And that's one of the things they pull out of the air. China's been, cr cr you know, clamping down on crypto for months, a year, more than a year. Yeah. 
So I mean, it's you know, they, it, that's, that's a big that's a big economy. And I actually read an article the other day about how uh, a lot of major uh, U.S. companies are pulling out of China just because of all their issues, and that's that could eat profits too. I mean, it's it's a big market there for these companies to pull out of. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you when rates do start going up, and you'll you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet you these things go down on that. And I'll tell you why, because if I can earn 8% in the treasury, and I've got, you know, a 9,000% profit in Bitcoin, I might just sell that Bitcoin and buy the treasury. You know, I, I don't know. Right. Well, that's kind of, I think that's kind of where we're going to. I mean, we're looking at like right now, I-bonds, right? You can get I-bonds for 7% now that we're talking about it, like things about inflation right now. Um, but like you can get I-bonds at 7%. Uh, they're doing 7% yield. So so that's another thing too, is like if you've got these high performing assets and inflation is coming, like, you know, s selling some of these before they totally crash and buying something like I-bonds, could make sense, you know, turn it into a ladder, uh, figure out, you know, figure out uh, some some stuff there where you can say, OK, we're going to have our shorter bond duration. We're going to get these I bonds that are yielding huge now. We're going to make a ladder and and kind of go from there. Yeah. And and actually, then that's a good segue to Miranda, because we're going we're going to run out of time and we haven't even talked about specific things you could buy. Uh, if if you're concerned about rising interest rates. There are specific stocks you can own. We've talked about a couple of categories of stocks. Also, by the way, real estate is another, obviously, real estate REITs, REITs, can also be a good thing to buy. But just buying real estate, too, is an inflation hedge. Because real estate, obviously, uh, it's it's a fixed asset. It tends to go up uh, in, in value when interest rates are rising. And obviously, you're also funding it, hopefully, with a, with a mortgage that's not going up. So real estate can be a good thing to buy when interest rates are rising. Um, but uh, now I, I did some research and here's, I'm, I'm not going to go over 10 million things, but you'll get the idea. Uh, what I was doing, I'm reading articles and say, here are the seven things you should own, seven stocks you should own, seven ETFs you should own when interest rates are rising. Okay. And I've got, you know, in our show notes, you'll find there's five different articles like that. So you can get the specifics, but I just want to give you a few so you can get the sense of it. Okay, there's Aries Capital, Capital One Financial, Discover Financial Services, American Financial Group. These are all lenders or insurance companies. And these, these, this is from Kiplinger, Best Stocks for Rising Rates is the name of the article. Uh, best ETFs for Rising Rates, also from Kiplinger. Financial Sector Spider, Spider S&P Insurance, Swab U.S. REIT Fund, Real Estate Investment Trust, iShares Floating Rate Bond ETF. Vanguard short-term corporate bond ETF. So you can see they're really focused on the insurance and the banking and the money management sectors yeah, because yeah. they're the ones who benefit the most. And you could, like I said, look at our show notes and you'll see plenty of other things. Now, I, I forgot, and I think this is from the, I think this is from Barron's, another list of stocks. Morgan Stanley, Royal Bank of Canada, BlackRock, Blackstone, Nike. Now, Nike, I'll stop there for a second. Why Nike? They have, they have, um, uh, pricing power, don't they? Uh, Caterpillar, Walmart. Now, Caterpillar, because the economy is going to do better, obviously, especially now that they, they passed the uh, infrastructure bill, uh, and, and Walmart can also pass along. Well, actually, no, if, if interest rates start going up, people have less money to spend, what do they do? They go to a discount retailer like yep. Walmart. Yep. So, so, But you can see heavily weighted into financials. Oh, definitely. And, and and that's because those rates go up, right? So do their profit margins. Now, now i got a question for you guys. Do you believe that it's pretty much here to stay? Um, 
because I'm asking that because a lot of this kind of was brought upon by COVID. Yes. And that disrupted a lot of supply chain issues. Now, even now, there's like a gazillion shipping containers out in the water, you know, waiting to come into to California. A lot of this is like a supply and demand kind of an issue. So, and I'm not noticing inflation across the board in every sector. And no, I'm noticing when I, when I sit down to dinner, I'm noticing the price of food has gone sky high, but yet there's a lot of technology, uh, you know, gadgets out there. The prices haven't, you know, gone up. Yeah. So well, you know, this, this is a, this is the thing we've been discussing, Aaron. I mean, you know, and you you do a lot. You you obviously have been doing a lot of reading lately. But you know, you you pick up one article where a guy's pounding the desk saying inflation is here to stay, and then the next article you read, somebody pounding the desk saying it isn't. You know, yeah, so, so I'm asking, like, so what if uh, you know consumers decide, you know, you know what, I'm just not going to spend as much, and that's going to force. I mean, a lot of a lot of the worker pay increases come by because they're trying to entice people to come back to work because people are staying home because like, no, I don't want to go to work and get COVID. And so that created a little a wage increase. But also this, the consumer side were saying, well, I don't want to spend that much money. And that's going to put pressure on companies to go, well, I have to keep prices low. Otherwise, people aren't going to buy my stuff. So it's kind of hard to see where everything's going to go. Well, actually, Aaron, I think there's an excellent point and one we can end on too, because the truth is nobody knows. They just don't because a lot of the, a lot of the problem with inflation is that it's in the head of the consumer and it becomes a spiral in other words your you know your bacon and your and your eggs have gone up so much in price you're pissed and you go to your boss and you say i need a raise and the boss finally succumbs and he says okay i'll give you a raise and then you know what the boss does he raises the price of the products and so now your bacon costs even more you see what i'm saying and so yeah. this is a spiral right. and it right. comes from pe- the way people think and, and the way they act, you know, they go out on strike, they demand more wages, and then this flows through like a ripple in a pond, you know. And so, you know, whether whether if, if people believe that inflation is here to stay, then guess what? It is. And if they don't, if they believe that it could be transitory, it may not be. I mean, it may be transitory. It's, it's tough. It's hard to know. And anybody who says they know is a liar. I mean, because it's just really too early to tell. It could be the end of the 20% a year return. Oh, I think almost certainly. Yeah. In fact, uh, for those of you listening, be sure and listen to our mid-month um, market recap because I've, I've got some bad news on there. I, I, there's a lot of people who think, that, a lot of experts who think the market is going nowhere from here. Okay, I'm afraid we're out of time, folks, but we're never out of topic. you got to dig a little deeper. Like I said, tons of links in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That's Miranda Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. Hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing. If you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us. Subscribe and tell your friends. I'm Stacey Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.